0: When Eric shared that song when we were planning, I just loved it because I grew up in the 50s and 60s in a household where I I think we had carrots and celery that were fresh vegetables, but everything else was frozen. Um, The first time that we ever had a salad was when I was already graduated from high school and had come home for a visit. And there was iceberg lettuce and tomatoes and carrots. And that was like really radical cuisine in my family. <laughs> and, and then there's the junk food part, which I remember, I used to collect bottles by the side of the road and take them down to the store for um, you could trade them in. And I would take the money that I got from that, and I would buy candy. And I did this kind of on the sly, because I figured my mother wouldn't like the idea. And one day, we walked into that store together, and the proprietor says, oh, it's the candy girl. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> busted. <laughs> I, I grew up Catholic, as some of you know. and. Um, I remember playing at Holy Communion. So if you weren't Catholic, back in those days, they had a host that was given out, and it was put on somebody's tongue. And and so Necco wafers were really good for playing Holy Communion. So I just want you to get how sacred junk food was to me. So there's a low bar here in terms of an attitude toward food. I mean, I liked it. Trust me, I liked it. But um, Erin, who is this nutrition coach and foodie and just has this amazing relationship with food, we were talking one day, and she she was talking about the energy she puts into preparing food. And I'm kind of like, whoa, this is is a whole new world. you got to get up here and talk about this. She got pulled in, and here she is.
1: (laughs) Hi, everybody. I'm Erin. My history's kind of funny. My mom cannot boil water for the life of her. I was just telling my husband last night about this Swiss steak that she used to make, which was this thick round of meat, ugly piece of meat. She would open up a can of stewed tomatoes, and she would open up a can of um, peppers and onions and everything came out of a can and she'd put it in this frying pan she'd put a lid on it and walk away <laughs> it was the grossest thing on the planet i mean, <laughs> you you cut into it and the inside of it was gray you know very overdone and as you cut you could see the serration of the knife embedded in the meat you know so That's kind of how I grew up. I don't, my, my love of food started when I left the house at 18. (laughs) Yeah, like, okay, I I got this. I can do this. And it's funny because my father, he never cooked. I didn't realize he actually liked food because I think he just said, yes, this is great just to appease my mom. And I moved in with him and all of a sudden he's cooking. He's making all these elaborate meals and I'm thinking, wait a minute here, I missed out on all of this with you because you let mom cook all the time. Where did this come from? So he and I started cooking a lot together. Hmm. Crazy meals, I mean, he's, he's a little weird. Um, <laughs> but mine were a little healthier, so he liked kind of the heavy meats, I was more into like the chicken and the turkey and that. Um, long story short, I meet my husband years later and get into the hospitality industry where I am around a lot of chefs that make beautiful food, a lot of French food, a lot of beautiful cooking. Um, Did that for about 12 years and in that I learned so much about food and just even just from the smell. You put a plate of food in front of me and I can tell you all the ingredients in it. I don't have to look at it, so enticing. So in hospitality forever, I leave that advanced 20 years now and take a nutrition course. Started last year and I, I have completed it but in that time period I learned that Food is so important. Just looking at it, and loving it, and honoring it, and there's, it's colorful. We need all the colors of, these, of this food. White food is boring. White food has no flavor. I, mean, was, I have a 14-year-old who loves white food. My cooking to her, as she recently told my family, is way too extravagant and elaborate. She won't touch it. But it doesn't stop me. I'm still going to keep all of that food in front of her and be a teach by example. Okay so she's
0: I still I, I just want to yeah. reassure you because I had two of those <laughs> and and I was one of those <laughs> and and now both of my daughters are just these gourmet cooks they they make wonderful things they they have all this healthy stuff and I used to go to Whole Foods and drag I dragged home everything they had there and tried to get it down their little gullets and no success and And yet, I think there's something about what we model and what we hold as the value that comes through. So keep doing what you're doing. It'll work.
1: Oh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm really hoping that one day she will sit in the kitchen with me and cook with me. I don't know when that will be. She's 14. We still have time. You know, I'm still waiting for that. And it's good. We still have a lot of time. We have 10 years, you
0: know. Yeah. It's all good. They wouldn't cook either. I, and I, I'm a really good cook, and right? I thought, I can teach them something. This is, this is what a mom should do. Mm-hmm. You know, something more than what my mom would do is say, tell me what the temperature is to put the meat in. Right. <laughs> you know, that was it. But, um, you know, now they both love to cook. No.
1: There is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, sorry, so just speed forward a little bit. Um, I was not raised with any sort of religion, which I'm actually quite grateful for. I feel a little more open-minded, especially being here at Unity. Um, in the teachings at uh, the, the school that I took, um, one of the things that he really focused on is how important it is to enjoy your food, be, be your food, love your food. So when I go shopping, I spend a lot of time in the produce, and I send everybody else to do everything on the exterior of the store. I can't get over the smells. The smell is just so intoxicating for me. Get in there, get my food. I lay it out on my, out on my table, put all the stuff away that I'm not gonna use that night, and I just look at my food. It's so beautiful. The colors, the arrangement. It could be splattered all over my table. I don't care, but it's just beautiful. And I pray to my food. I've never prayed. I've never, I have not prayed until February, (laughs) okay? So, and I, (laughs) because I was not raised with religion, I didn't know what prayer was. And I didn't, I didn't truly understand the effects of prayer and healing until in February, I fell 13 feet and I broke my back. And there was a moment as I'm in the hospital when the doctor comes up to me and says, okay, this is what's wrong with you. You are going to be in so much pain tomorrow. Here's your Valium. And I'm just looking at her laying there. And I didn't realize what my husband was doing, but he had, was texting people. I think he was texting Kevin and texting Jane. And all of a sudden, there was this warmth that came across my back in that area. And I just felt this, I, I'm solid. I'm good. And I got up and I walked out of the hospital. And you know, the next day, I had no pain. I still have that bottle of Valium. I never took a single pain pill. And I owe that gratitude to you guys. (laughs) You know, so prayer to me is really important now. Um, I pray a lot to my food because I know it nourishes my family. It nourishes us, nourishes me. Um, A lot of my prayer to the food also involves all of the farmers who took the time and have all of that energy and love to cultivate the land, um, all of the people who pick our food. Because some of them, are, they have a hard life. They have a really hard life. And they're doing some really hard stuff for us and to help nourish us. So they touch our food. There's energy on that food. They might be having a bad day. That energy is transferred. So when you go and pick your food, put it on your counter, for me, I pray into, pray into it to pray in energy, clearer energy, better energy one that wasn't there when I, per- when I purchased that food. And I feel like that is a very important aspect of my life and for my family, the prayer for it, and prayer for all of the people who, are, who handle it. They, don't, they may not know what prayer is, they may not ever receive prayer, and here we are praying for them. And I pray for them every day, every day. Um, so food, food for me is, is very valuable. I'm totally off right now here. I just totally lost track. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Take a breath. (laughs) Um, One of the other areas that I pray for are the restaurants. How many of you walked into a restaurant and everybody's running around like chicken with their head cut off? And you can't even get them to make eye contact with you. I personally, and I know my husband does this a lot too, we walk into a restaurant, if there's so much chaos in there, I will not eat there. The energy that they have goes into that food, and I can feel it when I eat it. I don't feel good. Just body issues going on, because their energy is so harsh. It is so harsh. We have very specific restaurants that we go to where we know the energy is very good, and we know that the cooks back there are wonderful. And to backtrack a little, if anybody of you, any of you has worked in the hospitality industry, not all chefs are cool. Some chefs are kind of jerks, and it kind of goes into the food. There's a lot of arrogance that goes into the food and the preparation. Um, So I will at times sit down and pray for the chefs. I will pray for the the servers because they're having a rough time, and they have to serve all of us who are very needy and very specific.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) We want our food a certain way. We want it to taste good. We want it to look good. If it doesn't look good, we send it back. Mm
0: -hmm not I, a great thing
1: for yourself. I self. love
0: your idea of, of clearing the energy when you're doing your food. Mm-hmm. That, but it occurs to me that we could do that in restaurants as well, that we, that we don't have to be, um, victim isn't quite the right word, but at the mercy of what the energy is out there, because we could walk in as distributors of peace and well-being. and that, that energy is more powerful than the chaos that's being generated. And when you have two energies, the stronger one will prevail. And, and that's definitely the stronger one. But you have to be intentional about it. And right. I think that's one of the challenges. It is for me, because I get on a roll with just, I'm doing, 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 and I don't know how to stop myself and remember, oh yeah, I could put a little love into mm-hmm. this
1: <laughs> a lot of love yeah a lot of love just with intention and just being being present
0: yeah but how do you remind yourself to do that how did you get in that habit
1: um just stopping and understanding that i can change this mm-hmm. i lit- just literally a lot from the program that i took mm-hmm. um you know he was very forceful with that you have pray to your food love your food enjoy your food because it is energy Mm-hmm. It is energy. So if you are putting out this beautiful energy to everyone else, put it into your food. Mm-hmm. It comes right back into you. So much love. You're, there's so much love that you could put out there and put into your food. Mm-hmm. You know, again, go, going back to my bounty on my, on my table, I love food. I mean, I, I think I could be, I'm obsessed with food. My family thinks I'm very obsessed with food. And I dream about it. I, I don't even, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't even want to use the word jealous, but I'm a little I guess I am, of people who can plan their meals for a week. There's no way I could do that. Hmm. There's no way. I wake up in the morning. I don't know what I want that day. But I listen to what my body wants. And I have to go shopping every day. I cook every day. I shop every day because I listen to what my body wants. I listen to what Nate wants. You know, sometimes my daughter, sometimes my husband, (laughs) or my wife, or excuse me, I can't even talk right, now, my mother. (laughs) a little nervous here. (laughs) But mostly I listen to just what my body wants. Uh Some days I'll want spaghetti squash and some sauce, and the next day I want an Asian salad or something. And and it just depends on what I want at that moment, Um, which I think is quite important. Because I may plan for three days. Mm -hmm. I don't want what I plan for tomorrow. I don't Mm -hmm. even want what I plan for the third day. And all that food goes to waste. I don't even know what to do with it, because it just is not appealing to me. So for me, it's a lot about intuition, a lot about what I feel at the moment. Um, and energy-wise, it's. I firmly believe that you can change the energy. You can change your energy here. You could change the energy of the flowers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, I don't know if you guys have read the book Celestine Insights or Celestine Prophecy. There is a part in there where it talks about the uh, priests that are praying to the plants. You can do that with your food. It changes the energy of the plants. A lot of, kids, a lot of students now will do uh, um, projects where they have a plant where they speak very nice and kindly to, they have a plant where they are terrible to. You are ugly, you are fat, you are terrible. And then they have a plant that they ignore. And if you look at the research, the ones where they're speaking kindly to, beautiful, green, vibrant, full, and alive. The one that they're not talking so kindly to, they're. St- and you know, they look like caca. But then you have the other one that's being ignored, it's not growing.
0: Mm.
1: It's not growing at all. So it's, all, it's about putting energy and intention into your food and it feeds everyone that you're feeding. Mm. So that's, that's really my point with the energy is just sitting down with it, with your food, and loving it. Loving it more than anything in that moment. And understand then that love is being transferred to your family to anybody that you are serving at that moment, and it's it's just love, it's joy.
0: Yeah, and I think another piece too to think about. I'm I'm doing this sugar detox right now with Deanna Dewitt, and um, I'm sure a lot of you have done detoxes over the years, a different, and they're always challenging. Um, but but it's making me very aware of habits and and where and I like to. I like to use analogies. So our relationship with our food is analogous to our relationship with abundance in general. It's analogous to our relationships with people. So for example, have you ever had a friend who just uses you all the time? Who, or you're in this friend's presence, but they're not really paying attention to you? Okay, so isn't that like when we just mindlessly eat? Mm -hmm. We're we're not in a loving relationship with that friend, the food that we're eating. Or or we use others. We use our food to just give us some energy, because we're not monitoring our energy in other ways. We're not being intentional about what we're choosing. When you think about it from that perspective, it becomes very critical because it ripples out into all these other realms of your life. If you can create an impeccable relationship with food, if we can all do that, how might that change how we show up in the world with our relationships and with our our experience of financial abundance? And if you're stuck in one of those areas like relationships or or finances, what if you began to heal it through your relationship with food? You know, sometimes the area that you're stuck just feels so hard. You you don't know where to tackle that one. So you just go into a different dimension, a different realm, and you, you tackle it there through love.
1: Through love. Love food. Food is is kind of a barrier with your emotions when you really think about it. Everybody thinks that they have problems with their diets. It really starts from your emotions. If we can get in touch with those, then we can get in touch with our intuition, in touch with ourselves. We understand what we need to feed ourselves. It might be coming here and and listening to Jane on Sundays and then leaving here and feeding ourselves very well. Um, One of the things that we did talk about is When we do leave here, we feel so wonderful and light and beautiful because she always has such a wonderful thing to say. And then we go out into the world and possibly go and eat fast food. Sometimes that can down everything. Mm -hmm. And, And you don't have that wonderful feeling that you left here with. So if we do think about what we put into our bodies, this translates out into the world. And same thing with what our food is, how we consume it, how we love it, it just emanates everywhere. And I, I do feel like you know, a change in your, just a small change, change is hard, change is really hard, it causes a big ripple effect, um, ruffles a lot of feathers, including your own. <laughs> um, but when we, when we feed ourselves spiritually and with food, it's such a beautiful combination. You feel it inside, it's a, it's a cellular thing. It is a cellular <clears throat> feeling. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. One of, I, real quick. One of the... <laughs> the reason why I talk about food and energy is I make this quick bread. And it always comes out really good. And it was really soft this one week. And then this next week, it was hard and just tough. And I sat back and I thought, well, why was this so good last week? I used the same ingredients. I didn't buy anything different. I didn't do anything different other than, oh, I was really angry when I made that loaf of bread. I was really angry when I made that loaf of bread. It was dark brown on the inside. It was just not good. And that really set in to me. I'm like, wait a minute here. Oh, okay. None of my family can be around me when I cook. Get out of the kitchen, guys. <laughs> Stop asking me questions. Don't ask me if I'm done with these dishes. It's very distracting. Um, but yeah, so that is a prime example of what happens to your food when you're not present. Yeah. Or if you're in a really bad mood, don't cook that day. Go out and buy something or have somebody else cook for you, because again, all of that anger that I had, I just transferred that to my family without really knowing, without really understanding what it means to be present with my food. Mm-hmm. So I'm, present, I'm more present with my food now, and my bread has not come out hard.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So, <laughs> So I just want to end <clears throat> with what you just said about how we're fed here and we feel really good when we leave here. And then the next place we walk out into is the foyer. And if we are a welcoming, vibrant community, then we should have welcoming, vibrant food. And that means everybody takes the time to put something together. Maybe, maybe you're not a cook. Maybe you have to and buy something, but you just put some thought into what would be healthy and beautiful, and you bless that food before you even bring it. What if we all did that? We could change from having, and realize that the way it works here, whether it should or not, is the kids descend on that buffet (laughs) like locusts. (laughs) And, And so, but there are kids. We care about these children. And if what they have to grab when they get in that line is healthy, how wonderful is that? This is more than being about feeding ourselves. This is about our mission to put this out, embody love. That's what we're here to do. So thank you, Erin. Thank you.